feel that. Nobody listening. Ain't nobody listening. Ain't nobody listening. Listening to Ain't Nobody Listening on the most experimental station in the whole wide nation. My name is Abdullah Al Ma'awli, and I'll be with you this evening till 9 p.m. Today we got an interesting guest and a co-host. We'll start with the guest. We got Anne Malin. Now I don't know if I pronounced your name correctly. Could you correct me if I said it wrong? Well, Malin, but I'm Malin. <laughs> Anne Malin. All right. Anne Malin. So now there's so much to unfold here or to uncover. I'd say the thing that got me excited about the interview, I was like, ooh, yes, totally. I want to talk to her is the fact that you played a massive role in uh, drawing up maps here in the Sultanate, correct? Yes, I, I produced the, the very first tourist map in Oman in the 80s. Wow. And uh, I haven't stopped really. Well, uh, we will definitely be getting <laughs> to that. And we also got with us here, you usually hear her voice in the morning, so I don't know how she got here this evening. We got Emel Al-Bulushi. Hello. Yeah, it's good to be back in the studio at night, but my energy levels are definitely lower. I know the reason you're here uh, is the fact that you two are friends. Yes, I consider Anne a very close and dear friend to me. I used to see her almost every single Thursday for dinner with another friend of ours, a mutual friend. And I'm so excited that this actually worked out, that you're in the studio, because I've been hearing wonderful stories from you for so long. And I just always feel like it needs to be out there. You know, it needs to be shared. Uh, intergenerational friendships always Either like always amazes the best. Me. <laughs> We're missing you on Thursdays. Yes, well, now. next one I promise I'll be coming back. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. Well, what do you guys do on Thursday? I want to come. No, you're not invited. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, we'll start with maps first. Uh, we'll start with that, but then we'll move backwards because your history, just looking at your, your bio, you've done a lot in your life. I feel like I want to give people a little bit of context. You told me your birthday was last month. <laughs> True, yes. A very important one, yes, and a big one. If you would allow me to say the number. Maybe instead we can say how long you've been in Oman. Sure. Uh, 44 years. 44 years, yeah. there you go. So that's a span of time to be mm -hmm. experiencing Oman. Um, how did you get into map making? Well, um, in the 80s, um, we didn't really have any tourists. We, we had a few like VIP guests raw royal family or very VIPs, you know, from um, mainly Europe. Um, but it was very difficult to get an NOC in those days. We didn't have the infrastructure either. An NOC? Sorry. Uh, no objection certificates. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, I don't know whether they still do that. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, um, then um, I was in Old Muscat one day and I spotted this, um, to my great surprise, tourist bus. This huge tourist bus. Uh, I'd never seen a tourist bus in Oman up until that point. Mm. So I thought, oh, it started. Because <laughs> <laughs> in those days we referred to uh, Oman as, as our paradise, you know, our secret paradise. Yeah. Um, it was very special. And I think most people who've been here a long time would say that the 80s were the nicest, really? nicest days. Yes. I've never heard that before. Yeah. What was so nice about the 80s that's different now? I I can't put my finger on it, but I just, I'm, my mind so often goes back to the 80s. And, you know, we had to make our own entertainment in those days. Yeah. Um, when we first came here, we, we, we the, 
there's only the the Intercon Hotel and um, Mercurial Falage, the Alphalage Hotel in those days. Mm. And and so we had to make our own entertainment. We entertained a lot. Um, we had these sort of clubs scattered around, workers' clubs, um, like W.J. Tao. They had a place in Wadi Kabir and um, there was a club in Kurram. Um, but there, there wasn't, there were no balls or anything like that. You know, when I was interviewed for, well, my husband was interviewed for a job here, but they also, uh, they wanted to see me to see you know, if I would be suitable mm-hmm. um, or find the place suitable to live. And and when I sat down with this woman, uh, the first thing she said to me, because I, look, I look presentable, you know, and she said, oh, well, you can, you can, she said, when you go to Oman, you can forget about your makeup because <laughs> it's so hot, you know, it will just <laughs> run off your face. And I thought, oh, yes. <laughs> That's the place No way. <laughs> and then she said, and leave your ball gowns behind. Because we don't have that kind of entertainment here, so this is this is what we came to. But we made our own entertainment. I mean, it was a treat to go and have like fish and chips in the basket at the intercon, mm-hmm. or to go and have a meal at um, um, the Omar Khayyam in Rui. That was very popular, and the Matra Hotel was very popular because of their lobster termidor. Okay. <laughs> I, I expect it's just the same today. <laughs> Delicious. And and I just think that's probably why, you know, um, uh, the 80s were rather special. So it was the middle of the 80s that I saw this tourist bus and I went back to my husband. I said, you never guess what I've seen today. And I told him and he said, well, maybe we should do something. Um, what about a map? You know, we could do a map. At that point, when so when you guys were were moving to Amman, did you not find any maps um, that were? Um, well, to be fair, um, Shell did a map, mm-hmm. but it was very basic, and it wasn't a tourist map, you okay. see. Yeah. Um, and um, and also, National Survey didn't bring out a map until the middle of eighties because they didn't they didn't start uh, until the middle of the eighties, okay. and there were very few roads, you see. So if you look at old maps today. Um, Uh, you see a tremendous difference. We had about four roads. You know, we had one going to Sur, one going uh, to the UAE, and one going to Niswa, and one going to Salala. Mm. That was it. And um, so we thought we would do a map, and we'd make it a thematic map. Okay. So we did English on one side and Arabic on the other, <laughs> and we then surrounded it with images depicting Oman's culture. Interesting. And um, they, we went to see the Minister of... Minister, it wasn't Minister of Tourism at that time. It was um, a DG of Tourism. And he was very excited about the idea. And he, you know, um, spurred us on, really. And so we did. We put them on sale. We gave some copies to the Ministry. They sold like hotcakes. Where, where did you sell them? Um, we sold them retail, you know. Yeah. Uh, by that time, Matra Cole Stores had opened and right. um, uh, Family Bookshop. Family Bookshop was the place. Okay. And um, so then we decided to do thematic map number two. What was the theme? The s- similar theme, but yeah. it was updated, you see. Okay. And possibly bigger. And, and then to our surprise... The municipality of Muscat contacted us and asked us if we would do a map for National Day for the Ooh. city of Sohar. Oh. One in English, one in Arabic. Yeah. And war maps as well. So oh, we were 
flattered, you know, we were <laughs> new to the scene of photography. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, so many people helped us. We get, you know, even now I've got municipalities and people all over the country that will help me. Yeah. Um, various bodies in the ministries, etc. So um, we did this um, map of Sohar. Mm -hmm. I literally drove around it and because um, it was very small in those days. <laughs> mm. But this was to, um, I think, yes, it was to, it was for His Majesty's National Day celebrations in 1992. And the map was quite big. And so we had to have it done in Dubai mm -hmm. because we, there wasn't a machine big enough here. Mm -hmm. We printed the Arabic map and we were about to print the English map when all of a sudden we saw a big headline in the newspaper. Border with Oman and Yemen agreed. Oh. The chief guest was Ali Abdullah Saleh, the new president of Yemen. Mm. So he was, you know they were going to be put on the seats. So we thought we'd better check with the National Survey Authority to see if it was okay to go ahead, you know. Mm -hmm. And they said, no, we've got the new boundary. We prefer that you uh, redraw it. <laughs> and so we had to, to print the lot again. You know, we managed to get them done just in time for National Day. Yeah. How does one go about coming up with a map? Or what's the process exactly? Well, in those days, we did them all by hand. Oh, wow. Well, so we just cut and paste. We cut and paste everything. And, you know, it, only a map maker could possibly understand the patience you yes. need to do that, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Uh, and I even wonder now at myself, uh, when I look back, how we did it. But most of our map, up until 1990, yeah. we, all our maps were handmade. Yeah, but I like... Excuse my ignorance. Yeah. I've never looked into map making, but like, do you drive around with your car and how do you scale things? I, I actually do. Uh, in the very beginning, we were supplied with a, a, a national map of Oman by the National Survey Authority. Hmm. And from that one map, we just um, updated and updated each time we did a map and added to it uh, using that same map hmm. <laughs> all those years ago. And, and and then I, you know, these days you can look at Google and I do um, check with Google mm. when I finish my mapping. It's good to, mm -hmm. you know, do a double check. But I prefer to drive around um, for myself. Otherwise, I think I was cheating. Mm. Uh, and also I enjoy it. That's the, that's the pleasure. I mean, I, that's what I get a kick out of doing, discovering new things and um, new places going up, new buildings, new facilities, new hotels across the country. Right. So um, that is the part that I absolutely love. And I meet some wonderful people on the way. And I was wondering, so you drive, let's say, if you were doing these maps and let's say in the case for the one for Sahar, you, you would drive around there and also take pictures that you would put on the side um, of the map. Yeah, yes, said. yes. So yes. you must have like a vast majority of photographs. I do now. From, yes. From I, well, well, in those days, uh, we didn't. Uh, we relied on um, actually the Ministry of Information to give us photographs or a friend who worked in television, <laughs> um, a, a lovely man called Mr. Ibrahim. And he had traveled with his majesty mm. all over the country in the early days, even up to Musandam. So he let me pour through his photographs and choose what I wanted mm -hmm. for the various maps we did. 
Uh, but since then, of course, built, I built up my own collection. And uh, yes, I, ha- I have a, a good supply now of them. Um, and, and I wonder, like, if you go down that memory lane with the photographs and stuff, do you, do you see that these touristic sites have really changed? I mean, or is, or is like the essence of what you tell people to go to do in Sahar or what to do outside of Muscat, if it's still kind of the same? Is, is it still the same vibes? Well, it's, it's funny you should say that because someone was looking at an old map we did. Yes, of Sahar. It must have been in... 92 and he got quite excited he said oh my goodness oh look at that and also we had adverts on one side Mm -hmm. and of course these places have changed now and they changed their logos and maybe they don't exist anymore and you know he said to me you know you could put these on sale yeah collector's items (laughs) and actually when you look at them yes you can um yes it's some some of the places have changed of course um But um, it, it, I must say, it's tremendously exciting. I'm very fortunate to have had the opportunity. And I continue to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And um, I just think I'm very, very lucky. Uh, were uh, anyone else doing that at the time? Or was it, or you were the only one? Uh, we, we, were the, we, we produced the first tourist map in Oman. Yeah. yeah. So I would love to be there with you in the car. I want to imagine exactly <laughs> what that was like. Could you take me through one of your map uh, making journeys? A memorable one. Oh, yes, yes. I think my favourite one, because I've done a lot of maps of Salala and I love Dofar. I love the region. I've done many maps, English and Arabic. And I was about to leave um, after one update when the DG of Rhodes at the time in Salala, he called me and he said, Anne, when do you go? And I said, well, tomorrow. He said, there's something I've got to show you. He said, if you've got time, I've, I've got to show you. So he picked me up from the hotel, took me out towards Muxail, and then um, just a short way after Muxail, we turned off the road down quite a steep uh, descent, very rough road mm-hmm. through caverns. And uh, on the way, we passed all kinds of geological features. And it, I, it was just... Absolutely amazing. And the place was Fazea, El Fazea Beach. I don't know if you've been there. I've been to Marseille. So oh, maybe. El Fazea, yes. Alphazea. It's just a bit further on. I think it's about 16 kilometers further on. Yeah. I I'm was wider. just, my, my mind was blown. It was, it was like heaven. Uh, the color of the sea and the sky and the, there were beehives on the beach because people had lived there up until that day. It had only been officially opened the day before my visit. So I was one of the very first people to go there. <laughs> and there were uh, cows and um, camels paddling in the sea. Mm. And it was, it was just such a remarkable sight. And of course, now it's so popular. Yeah. And, and then I, I, I pondered. It wasn't on a map. So I thought, I wrestled with myself, do I put it on the map? <laughs> Because you, I didn't you, want anyone else to go yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was so beautiful. Yeah. So beautiful. And, and so I did. I put it on the map the first time. You, you ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've, yeah. I've actually seen um, 
famous travelers uh, with TV shows uh, grapple with the same exact issue. They they go to a, an amazing spot somewhere around the world, and then they in behind the scenes interviews they they say they grapple with this exact same thing: should we put this on the show or shouldn't we? Because if we put it on the show, it becomes popular and it takes away its everybody charm. will go there, and its charm is gone. Like it's yes. not it, it no longer becomes what it is. Yes. So it's an interesting question. And I can think of something else too. Is again in Salala, going through the plantations, um, I had heard a lot of uh, people, mainly from India, talking about uh, a king, Cheramal Peramal. Have you heard of him? No. No. Ah, right. So, uh, and they would, but they didn't know. They said he's somewhere in Oman, mm-hmm. somewhere in Dofar, but we don't know where. You see, mm-hmm. so I made it my mission to find out. Oh, <laughs> and this was oh gosh, thirty years ago. Did you find a long him? time ago? Yes. Oh. Wow. Yeah, there were no signposts in those days. There was nothing <laughs> to say that he was there. But yeah. I, I asked locally, and we, we we sort of cut our way almost through the jungle, the <laughs> you know the plantations, and there was this place where his grave rests, mm. Cheramal Paramal, and uh, he came to. He came, he went, they say he was the first um, Muslim to visit Oman. He came here to go to Mecca, and on his way back, he married a Dafari. And it's said that he's buried there, actually, with his daughter. And how did you find him? I couldn't actually see him. <laughs> But I mean, I mean, I mean the grave. <laughs> Well, it's it's in a it's in a um, hut, okay. and there's there's someone else buried beside him, yeah, and a money, yeah, where people go to pray for rain if it doesn't rain. Right, don't think that's very often in Salala, but um, <laughs> anyway, I put that on on the map. Yeah, I was okay. I was proud to put that on the map. Wow, but it's it's really interesting to think that your work as well. It's not just going to say like, hey, people are going to be interested in seeing this touristic new area. It's also uncovering a lot of history that, you know, mm-hmm. that until then was not written about absolutely. at all. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's the same with the um, very special mosque um, in Ibri. Oh, sorry. I always get mixed up between, I, sho- I shouldn't say this, mm. Ibri and Ibra. Yeah. Shock here. <laughs> I know, it's terrible. It's very close. Uh, it's very close. I know. <laughs> um, so, um, I'd heard about the mosque With a chain. Mm-hmm. Um, this was some time ago now, but the, not many people had then. The, the mosque with the chain? Yes. What's that? No, not the mosque with the chain. Sorry, that, that's in Salala. That's another story. This is the mosque um, with the uh, Qiblatain, with two Qiblas. Okay. Okay. And uh, I was I wanted to go and see that. And um, yes, we did. It's in a wadi at the back of Ibri town. And um, Ibra town. Mm-hmm. And... Um, And that was very interesting. It's a very simple mosque. It's said to be probably about the same age as um, um, the mosque in Sumail. Okay. Um, I think they were they were built about the same time. But you see, um, many years ago, um, um, people used to face um, Jerusalem to, mm-hmm. to, pray. to pray. And then Muhammad had a sign received a sign to say that um, it should change the direction to, to Mecca. Mecca. Mm-hmm. Now, so a lot of um, the previous um, um, mihribs, they, they were, um, Kibla, sorry, were destroyed. Mm. But they uh, most of them one. were destroyed. 
and there are very few remaining, very, very few, and one of them is, is here in Oman, in that, uh, in that wadi. Okay. Very simple. So yeah. you can see a, a, a Quran on the, on the one Qibla, but mm. on the other it's, you know, it's uh, vacant. Okay. But very interesting. Well, I would love to go on a quick musical break, but when we come back, we'll continue down this line. And before moving even further back, about the time you moved to Oman. Okay. All right. The Nation Station. 90.4 FM. And we're back. So I want to kick off by just telling people, um, your voice in the station uh, is not unfamiliar for those who have been here long enough. You worked in Oman TV as a presenter for over 20 years. That's correct, right? That's right. Yes, yes. That's insane. <laughs> How was that? I, I saw one of your videos on your Instagram. Right. Wow. Well, you know, the years just go so quickly, don't they? When I came through the gate tonight, I had this wave of nostalgia come over me because I haven't been through that gate for 20 years when I left that's crazy. Um, left on, on, on television, yeah. yeah. Doesn't this building look exactly the same in the furniture? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm not going to say anything about that. <laughs> We're working on it. We're working on it. We're working on it. But when did you come to Oman? 78. In 78? Yes. So I came with my husband. Yeah. Very early uh, when uh, Sultan, uh, his, his Majesty Sultan Qaboos, uh, may rest in peace, when that's eight years after he came to power yes. here in the Sultanate. What brought you to the country? My husband's job. What was I followed him. Okay. Came with him, with the children. And, and, and actually, I was very fortunate because I, w- I found a job within, within a year, you know. Uh, with the television. Was it difficult to convince you to come to Oman or were you keen? I was very reluctant. Yeah? Uh, In fact, I didn't come straight away. My husband came before me and I mulled it over. Mm. Um, But to give everything up in the UK, uh, it was was very big for me. Um, But then I'm very adaptable. You know, I'm a very adaptable person. And, And I got quite excited and I was... I was thrilled when I was accepted mm-hmm. uh, with them on television, you know, yeah. to work with, with them on. It was lovely. But, but what was the plan for you guys when you decided to move to Oman? Did you expect <laughs> to be here for We came time? here for two years, <laughs> I thought. <laughs> <laughs> two years, yep. Now 44 years later. <laughs> what, what were you reluctant about? What were you leaving behind? Well, dragging the children out of school. You had kids at that time. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. you also had uh, an interesting career back in the UK. Uh, I, well, I did, yes, yes. Um, one of my jobs was uh, as a crown, executive crown servant working for the Duchy of Lancaster. What does that mean? Uh, it's a branch of the royal household. The mm. Queen is the Duke of Lancaster. Mm. And um, she owns a lot of uh, land in that area. Okay. And I was in charge of a very huge book. It was a green book, and it was called the Green Wax Book. Mm-hmm. And in that book, um, all the criminal um, criminal offenses, offenses yeah. mm-hmm. that had been committed in that area um, had to be entered into the book. Okay. And um, except the Ministry of Transport... Um, vehicle, anything to do with vehicles, mm. that wasn't. But everything else was, all the fines, the amount, etc., was 
one of the details, some of which were embarrassing, mm-hmm. were entered in the book. And that went to the, the royal household. Really? Yeah. And so they would like be able to look through all the crimes that are being committed within mm. Lancaster area? Okay. Oh, yes. Uh, and I was also in charge of um, making the huge... They were huge... Um, seals which would be attached to all legal documents with mm-hmm. the queen's queen on one side mm-hmm. and um, an emblem on the other side mm. um and uh the plaiting of it and everything because i was very young but i enjoyed it i mean trips to buckingham palace um just to deliver things really you know i don't want to boast too much <laughs> <laughs> but that's still amazing yeah. then maybe this is a bit of diversion but like have you have you heard of the series called the crown on netflix of course yeah. i've seen it and, yes. and do you feel like <laughs> that's exactly what i'm picturing right now <laughs> does, it, does it emulate it in the right uh, way well a lot of it i can remember i lived it and yes some a lot of it's true but mm-hmm. there are Parts which have been embroidered, of yeah. course, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I, I was invited to the troop. We had seats automatically, the trooping of the colour, but I couldn't make it okay. because I was sick. Mm. And also, um, yes, uh, invitation to a ball at St. James's Palace. If I'd stayed there, my life would have been interesting. Yeah. But then I left to get married and, you know, what would have it, children. What would have, uh, your life been if you stayed there? Of course, we're, also, we're speculating Uh, okay, well, do you know, I was only thinking about this this morning. Mm. Um, but then I got married and had children. Mm. And then we bought a country inn. Uh, we, that was very interesting. Where is that? Uh, in Northamptonshire. Okay. And uh, we, we did that for six years, but I wasn't very happy. I wasn't very happy at all. And um, I was thinking this morning, if... And then after that, we lived in this beautiful manor house that used to belong to um, Prince William, Hmm. who unfortunately got killed in a plane crash, and he was going to be the Duke of Gloucester. The Gloucesters lived in the next village to us, and and it was a fantastic place with huge grounds, and we grew our own vegetables, and we had a a goat and chickens and geese, etc. I think I would have been quite happy being a country girl. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, I would. Uh, yes, I've probably been quite boring, actually. <laughs> and getting involved in village life, feeding the chickens, yeah. um, growing my own produce. Honestly, yeah. that sounds like... Uh, it sounds the, nice. That sounds nice, yeah. It sounds <laughs> I, like I, as I said, I'm very adaptable. <laughs> I adapt very easily. Yeah. Mm. All right. And then, so it was after living in this town or in this beautiful manor that you then, your yes. husband then got a job in Armand yes. and you moved yes. here. So you had to quit a job in order to move to Oman or were you not working? No, I wasn't time? working then. I was having a rest. <laughs> okay. But at that time when your husband suggested it, what did you know about Oman? Nothing. We'd never heard of the place. Even your husband? No. Okay. No, no one had heard of Oman in those days, <laughs> 78. So we got the Phillips Atlas out mm. to look to see where it was. Mm. Yes. And I think it said Muscat and Oman in the atlas because it was an old one. All right. So then, um, then I'm guessing after you were informed that you were going to go there, you started asking, right? Oh, well, of course. You find out as much as you can about the place, yeah. And what did you I hear? met a few um, air hostesses who ha- had flown into Muscat and mm. they said that they always dreaded, uh, you know, in the old airport, mm. they dreaded getting put on that run. Okay. Is it, is it yeah. the, the airport? At Beit Al-Thalaj. Yes. Yeah. At Rui yeah. then, yeah. right? Yeah. I, I've seen that. Mm. I think now people just do their learners there. 
Yeah, that's hard. right. That's right. Yes, <laughs> yes, they practice. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what were you hearing when you started asking around? Well, um, not a lot, actually, because mm. we didn't meet a lot of people that, mm-hmm. that yeah. knew anything about Oman. So I, I just imagined to be mostly desert. And I remember getting off the plane and it was just as people had described. It was like walking into an oven. Mm. <laughs> and Must I mean, we'd only been. visited countries like Europe, you know, we'd never been in such a hot country. And did you arrive at uh, on summer? July, yes. Oh wow! Yes. Oh my God! <laughs> the it was so hot. And then, and then the drive from the airport to yeah. Medina Asuto Ankabus seemed like a lifetime. And there were just the, the deer at either side of the road depicting the National Transport Company, mm. the Turkey Enterprises Building, um, Caterpillar, and National Beverages, and the the guest house, the Royal Guest House on the left hand side. I don't think that exists anymore, does it? Not sure. Uh, and yeah, that that was it. It was all empty. It like, must have been terrifying. And uh, and then getting to Medina Kabuz, uh, uh we were surrounded by sand dunes. It was still under construction, and of course, since then they've been knocked down and rebuilt again. Yeah. <laughs> mm. yeah. yeah. But so the, the you've seen basically Medina Sultan Kabuz where you where you lived go from being built up, mm. being demolished, and now towers being built up in the same space. But also then I guess the accessibility, like the road, it no longer takes you forever to get from Rui to... Absolutely. To, and yeah. so how, how, how And was, then we had Death Valley Road, you see, which was... Oh, I forgot about that. Do yeah, it's very dangerous. Well, mm. Remind me, sounds familiar. It's, well, it's this Medina Kabus Road at the bottom here that goes mm. from Medina Kabus to Kurum. And it didn't have a name in those days. Well, we gave it a name. They called it the Death Valley Road. I yes. remember having to take that road even when I was a kid to go to MIS, right? And you had to somehow, we, from my house, we, had, mm. we needed it's to go through It was a very rough road, no lighting, you it, see. It was, yeah, no lighting. And um, there, it was basically, it felt like it was in between mountains and it was very winding. And um, because of the amount of accidents, the Royal Mount Police put those cars that were completely damaged on the side of the road, right? To frighten people. As a warning sign, like, you need to slow <laughs> down here. You need to. And so that's, that's, Uh, that's crazy. So Death Valley was was still around then. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, yes. There were some nasty accidents. Mm-hmm. And so the road. I just. I was also wondering the the Sultan Qaboos Highway, for example, that right now uh, goes from where you can go from <coughs> Mus- from Mus- Muscat all the way down towards um, uh, Mabela, for example. Mm-hmm. That. <laughs> Yeah. He loves Mabela. He's always talking. I, I got actually got lost there the other day. Mm. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, But we have to bring up Mabela one way or another. <laughs> that that road, um, we, it was not built either, right? It was not complete. In, in it was just it was just a very rough road. There was a road there, but it was okay. very rough. Yeah. All right, and it was was there? I'm trying to just imagine this. Was there like street lights, or um, when there were national days, did they decorate it the same way, or like? How, How has this changed you the know, driving? I can't, I can't remember. Okay. I can remember the road, I mean, to Sur, which was very dangerous. Mm. Uh, very, very dangerous. A snaky road. Mm-hmm. And um, and the road to Niswa was dangerous too. Okay. And so when, when you would put these on your maps, I just wonder if um, I, I, when you were making them, do you take that into account that if tourists come how do they actually access these places or how do they get there? Or was it always... Well, the now same? the roads are beautiful, you no, see. Yeah. I mean, uh, Oman is ranked number eight. I think it should be number seventh. Eighth. They're having the best road <laughs> network yeah. Yeah. Um, in the world out of 197 countries. Yeah. Wow. That is amazing. That's incredible. Yeah. I didn't know Absolute, that. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely incredible. And I mean, you take the road in Salala, you know. Yeah. Mission Impossible, they called it. They did. They used it in um, 
in universities. Um, and they called it Mission Impossible because it, it was a tremendous feat of engineering. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think... Do you remember what was so impossible about it? Well, the scale, the, the height, and, and the number of the eight turns, you see, eight mm. zigzag, snake-like turns. Um, it, yes, it was it's quite incredible. Yeah. And, and I mean, this road here to Emirat, that's quite an incredible road too. Mm, right. But I mean, it, the fact that you can drive all the way around Oman is just amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, considering and the terrain. Got, mm, yeah. And, and amazing um, uh, views, um, especially the coastal roads. Yeah. yeah. So, so let's go back. You just arrived to the Sultanate. You didn't really have an idea of what to expect, but you were told uh, some things that were perhaps a little discouraging. But then you came and you saw the reality of it. And now we're talking about 1978, so things were not quite developed just yet. And you just came from the UK. I know. You you must have been terrified. I, I wouldn't say terrified, because I've got quite an adventurous <laughs> nature. But, you know, we all seem to go down sick very often in those days. Okay. Mm. Um, there were always bugs flying around. I mean... Actually, <laughs> oh, like yes, <laughs> like the one we've got at the moment, of yeah. course. And we had this very amusing doctor, Doctor Heap, in Medina Cobus. Mm. And you go to him and you tell him about your, you know, complaint. And uh, and then he'd sit back in his chair, and he'd look at you, shake his head, and say, "It's a GOK." It's a GOK. So we wondered what a GOK was, you know. Mm-hmm. But instead of him saying, I haven't a clue, he said, it's a God only knows. <laughs> GOK. <laughs> it was so funny. He was quite honest about that. He hadn't a clue what it was. But, you know, here you are. Gave you something to <laughs> get rid of it. Um, and, and those days, we it was it's mandatory to take two salt tablets and um, um, a malaria pill each day. Okay. And, you know, we were drinking so many crates of um, Mirinda and that sort of thing before we realised it was so bad for you. And so many litres of water a day. Uh, But now I think it must have been the salt tablets that made us so thirsty, you know? What's a salt tablet? Salt tablets. Well, you know, because it was so hot, you... Oh, electrolytes. I think it wasn't really necessary, you know. It's it's only necessary if you work in the desert, maybe, right, right. and you're perspiring a lot, and then you need to replace the salt that you've lost. Mm-hmm. But yeah. um, but anyway, we did as we were told, and we took them for some time. Mm. And, yeah, it was fun. And then, of course, our neighbours, mainly Brits, would warn us about vipers, oh. sun vipers. Well, you see, the earth had been disturbed mm-hmm. in the building, you see, of Medina Kapus. Sun vipers, um, which we came across occasionally, and um, scorpions, which we came across occasionally, and camel spiders. Wow. Yeah. That was a in those all days. dangerous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Extremely. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, the kids used to take them to school in a jam jar. <laughs> Show and tell. They did. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Of, co- of course they did. <laughs> kids will be kids. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'm, still, I'm still afraid because we, we moved to PDO at one point and over there as well, we would see, and until nowadays, we would see scorpions around because mm. the same thing, they've been doing a lot of construction over there. Mm. And uh, my when I was having this bad reaction to it my mom was trying to explain to me she said you know back in the day when we lived in the middle of nowhere basically this was all you saw all the time
time around you. And I just cannot imagine that. Just That must have been the very early days. Yeah. Well, no, not that early because you're not that old. No, no. But mm. uh, my mom was saying that like when they when she also first mm. moved to, to Oman, which was around the same time, she was saying mm. that there was always scorpions I, I feel, everywhere. to me that's like uh, that that fact i feel like okay i can imagine myself living back then with that it's okay what i couldn't imagine myself living without back then is air conditioning <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, oh absolutely uh, oh, but know. you see we had no end of electricity cuts because of the new the new estate being built mm-hmm. oh and they some some of them would last for five and six hours at a time in the heat of the summer Oof. that wow. was no that was not fun at all how wow. do you cope with that Did well, you, you have learn to, any don't tricks? You, you just you... try not to move too much. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you get like a damp towel or something? Like, I don't know. How do you well, cope? Well, I'm, we have fans, of course. The fans help. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that does help. Mm. Well, okay. So you arrived to Amman and now here you are with your kids. Your husband's working. When did that urge to try to look for a job begin? It was accidental, actually. We'd taken this um, friend to Nizwa for the day, who, who he's a businessman, and he was Greek, but he understood Arabic and he spoke Arabic. And we were on our way back uh, when we listened to the radio. He was listening to Arabic radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he heard uh, Ministry of Information advertising um, for this job mm. as a makeup artist. And, um, and they looked at me and they said, oh, that's just up your street. And and it, this was a like a character makeup artist, you know, for film. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I had some experience in stage, but not not film. Okay. But anyway, I thought, what have I got to lose? Yeah. So I went up and I met Mr. Diab Alamri, who was the director general in those days, and um, told him all about myself, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And he said, and I would love to offer you the job, but. Um, I d- we wouldn't be able to pay you what you deserve, you know. Oh. <laughs> mm. And and so it, we can only pay you so much. Well, to me, I thought if I'm only going to be here for two years, mm-hmm. I want to learn as much about the culture and the people as possible whilst I'm here. Mm-hmm. And to have the opportunity of actually working with Omanis, to me at that time, was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. So I accepted what he offered Yeah. And I went straight into Fazia Ramadan, you know, working. We were working all day uh, from early morning to late at night. And I had to get books and uh, read up on character makeup. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, at this point, we're still in uh, 78? Uh, 79. 79. Yeah. Wow. So, um, um, yeah, so we were very short of um, prosthetics. Yeah. That was the only thing in those days. We had uh, uh, some latex to age people, but we were a bit short on beards and moustaches and that sort okay. of thing. And this was here in, in this area, in this building? Uh, well, our first, uh, I worked on uh, location quite a lot. And the first uh, three months was in Old Muscat in the heat of the summer, <laughs> up at dawn uh, until late at night. That's crazy. And then I was sent to Salala um, in 1980 for six weeks. Uh, we worked on location there. And the following year, and that was my first visit to Salala, which was, oh, you can imagine in those days, mm. totally unspoiled. And um, hardly any vehicles on the road. Mm-hmm. And just beautiful. So oh. that that was... Um, and of course, what I must mention is that we met so many interesting people. For His Majesty's National Day, we'd have famous singers visit, like um, Samira Saeed. 
I met her when she was very young. I think she was about 21, and her mother came with her as chaperone. Wow. And she was beautiful. And while she was um, performing, I would sit and talk to her mother, and we had some lovely conversations. And then we had Mohammed Mohammed Tharwa, Mohammed Tharwa, a famous Egyptian singer. He was here recently at the uh, Opera House. And also we had um, the creme de la creme of Egyptian television come out for six weeks to film Sindibad. Wow. And that was Leila Taha, Yusuf Shaban. I hope you're recognizing all these Some names. Some of them, yeah. vaguely. We're, we're, we're <laughs> not the very best. very famous. Amina <laughs> <laughs> Risk. Amina Risk, she started at the age of 12. Mm. And she was, she must have been in her 60s, a lovely woman. And she was, um, she was just about to retire. And Shireen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And a lot of other famous... Uh, Actors and actresses, which which, which I, I can't remember, but um, that was very interesting. As and, we sp- and that was the beginning of your career here. Two years, yes, huh? Yes, I know. <laughs> Two years. Yes, I know. I found it all so fascinating. Yes, and, th- and then we had this, um, this person from the BBC visit every three months or so, hmm. Tony Scase, and he, he was a consultant to the Ministry of Information on programmes and stuff, I suppose. Mm. And he asked me if I'd be interested in reading the English news. In uh, Oman TV? Mm. Ah. So so he gave me a test. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I, rem- I remember him saying, yes, you, you look good. Um, what did he say? You look good. You sound good. But try to get rid of that furtive expression you have. That what? And I think it's furtive. And I think it's what my mother used to... um, She used to um, get angry with me. I had this look that I don't know I'm doing. It's sort of... I don't know how to describe it, but it's a kind of slyish sort of look, you know? Um, And and I I don't realise I'm doing it. And he said, I must try and get rid of that. And then I must go away, read in front of a mirror... Mm. Uh, newspapers, etc., whatever I can get my hands on. And I was actually learning Arabic at this time, and I got a professor teaching me, so he was very helpful okay. with the pronunciations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so, you know, it's and great. So, so that was your first your first time on air, then, was in the 80s? In, in uh, 80, 82. Okay. Yeah. And uh, were you nervous? So do you remember the, the first of course. few days? <laughs> of course. But, but as I said, as well. I told you earlier... Um, it's good to be a little bit nervous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if you're overconfident, then mm-hmm. you're more likely to make mistakes. Yeah. You know, I've actually went through a similar training to yours. So in Arman TV as well, I was trained to be a newsreader and, and it never ended up happening. Thank God. Oh. Um, personally, it's not my thing. But I went through the training. There's a whole reason behind it. And my thing that was not good... Uh, was when I get super nervous and I didn't realize I was doing this, I would swing my chair left and ah, right yes. like this the whole time. And in radio, it's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and on TV, you just see the presenter doing this. Yeah. <laughs> but, but Abdullah, you should pursue that because you've got an excellent voice. Yeah. Thank you. But then I'd rather just speak with my own voice rather than be like... Uh, uh, well, you don't have to. No, no, the two no. holy mosques. No, no, <laughs> Sends you don't a have to. Of greetings. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like I, 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 I love... Like, I knew I wanted to use my voice somewhere, but I realized that it wasn't the news for me. Is uh, The idea of reading off of uh, what somebody else has written didn't, mm-hmm. didn't appeal to me very right. much. Right. 
you know. Mm. Yeah. But then I... And I, sometimes it, yeah. it can be very depressing. Yeah. And, and even more so when you've got people around you in the news newsroom where the news is, you know, uh, can be quite shocking. We had this... Um, um, translator, Sudanese uh, translator, mm. uh, whose son was, uh, he was studying in Chernobyl. Oh. And so when that explosion happened, he was killed. He was one of the victims. Mm -hmm. That was terribly sad. Mm -hmm. Terribly yeah. sad. And then, of course, we had my colleague, Huma Raza. Uh, she died in an accident. Mm. And so you would um, have to talk about this as well, like during the news. Well, it just brings, uh, it just it just brought us all yeah. down, our mood down, you mm -hmm. know, terribly. But you still have to go on air and you still yeah. have to be I mean, I never forget yeah. the shock of that, of hearing about Huma. Mm-hmm. It was, it was quite, it really was. And she was young. She was 26, vivacious. Mm -hmm. She was thinking of going back to the States to work with um, one of the... Wow. Um, yeah. But uh, other, than, other than maybe your on-air, like live TV kind of uh, work that you did, I remember when I found out about this piece of nugget, like gold nugget that I found out from Anne, because every time I sit with you, you, you let me know about something and I'm like, oh, you were this person. And it was about the fact that for the phone calls, if you're, if you're unable to reach the right number... Oh, I was the voice of Omontel. Yes. yes. No way. Oh, yeah, and Omon Mobile. Yes. Oh, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. The, the whole thing, like, you know, when you call the wrong number or it's yeah. close. Oh, my God. Yes. Could you please do it? Well, that, that oh, I'm not sure I can. No, I, that still exists somewhere, you know. Yeah, I think right. my son still gets that message in, yeah. in UAE. Yes. Yeah, you're not. Well, let me try it. It is not possible to get in touch, touch with, with a call, call subscriber, subscriber at the moment. You? Yes, that's her. Oh my god! <laughs> I remember when I found out about this, I was like, yes. I, I met a celebrity. I went home and I was telling my mom, I was like, call a block yeah, number please. right now, please. <laughs> that's no, I just, I loved it. And again, I'm so fortunate, yeah. you know. Wow. Uh, because they see me on the news, you see, mm. I get lots of voiceover jobs. Mm. In fact, that's what I wanted to go back to. I set up a studio in my home, but um, the the um, um, the, the sound the and echo? quality isn't good enough. Okay. Right. Uh, I'm trying to improve it. Do you mean currently? Yes. I yes, I wanted to go back to it. That. Easy peasy. Uh, the sound. sound yeah, I, I keep I keep stuffing stuff around my. Uh, you I'll, know, I'll show you what you my need. mic and everything. I'll, I'll show you the store where, where you could buy all the the stuff you need. I, I've got yeah, I've got it. Yeah. But it's it's like uh, it's it's not um, ace quality, mm -hmm. right? To say do an advert or something mm -hmm. commercial. If you're willing to accept my offer, I can help you. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, yes, that's, that's I will make next. a note of that, Adela. Thank you very much. And then we will uh -huh. see uh, future advertisements. Hopefully, we'll have Anne's voice on there again. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. You just do the, the Amantel voice. It's <laughs> yeah. not possible to get in touch with the call subscriber. Please try later. <laughs> Everyone will be listening to that. It's, it's, it's a nice call. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I loved it. Yeah. Loved and it. so this was all you ended up continuing working with yes, in yes. Oman TV. And yes. also yes. doing stuff yes. on the side. And um, throughout that time, did you... And that was also when you, you were doing maps. Like, you started yes. as well doing yes. maps all together. Yes. And uh, throughout that time, did you feel like there was so many, for example, jobs for foreigners coming in and like a bigger growing international community? When was it that, for example, we have a mutual friend, Mary, as well. Mm. When was it that you started making friends or, or seeing seeing that the community was changing and it was not just locals, but a lot more internationals coming through? 
or was it always internationalized? Oh, it was mainly international at the beginning. You know, okay. I mean, it was it was a haven for um, expats, mm -hmm. the seventies and eighties, and up, I suppose, up to the end of the nineties. Yeah. Okay, and then there was a dip of well, urbanization mm -hmm. that took over. Yeah, yeah, and that's all right. And going at a good pace now, isn't it? Yeah, mm -hmm. at least uh, for, for example, us in the studio right now, the entire studio team is uh, Omani right now mm. here in the studio, and I think if you compare it to before, it mm. was a bit more expat. Yeah. It, I mean, in the 70s and 80s and maybe 90s, um, you would not see an Omani woman in an advertisement. Mm -hmm. hmm. There are always Indi Indian ladies that took... Um, it just wasn't um, Inappropriate accepted. culturally at, it, yes, at the it time? Yes, wasn't, it wasn't accepted. <laughs> right. You didn't see um, a, an Omani in mm -hmm. an advert. They might be dressed in Omani clothes, but they would be Indian. Okay. Yeah, or, you know, some other. So when you were working over here for Oman TV as well, um, it was mostly for example from the people who were also doing the makeup or the ones that were on the news it wasn't the makeup they were all Omanis oh okay yes except me mm -hmm. yes and uh, I worked with a wonderful woman Marion Musa she did her training in Hollywood and Ooh. she was brilliant at uh, doing character makeup and um, fashion mm -hmm. historical fashion that sort of thing mm -hmm. yeah. we had a great relationship and um so you really did get in touch with Omani people as soon as you started mm. working yes. here. Okay. Yes. I showed that. Nobody listening. Ain't nobody listening. Ain't nobody listening. And we're back. We're here with Anne Malin. Did I say your name correctly this time? Yes, you did, Abdullah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> as well as Emil Belushi. Hello. So we'll continue down uh, memory lane. We are currently at you working as a presenter in Oman TV and this was in the early 80s and you continued down that line for 20 years mm -hmm. so I assume your map making began during that time you had to balance the two along with the family of course in the 80s yeah. I stopped, we began in the mid 80s mapping how was that when did what did the spark happen where you're like I'm going to do this I'm going to pursue this seriously well it was you know when when I saw that bus mm -hmm. yeah. in Old Muscat tour, and I realised that, that tourism that Oman would open up eventually to the world mm -hmm. and uh, when you did the first map and you started selling it in, in um, bookstores as you said were you guys doing this with the idea that it could be something profitable or was that you just wanted to... Were, were you making enough money, for example, to then go on to the second map and the third map? Because I I, I currently don't know anyone who buys maps, <laughs> you know, in, in our time. <laughs> Thank <day>. you. <laughs> Sorry. But I was like, I personally do not know anyone who, who buys physical maps. So I was wondering, back in the day, it must have been the only way to find out what to do around oh, the month, yes, right? Oh, yes, they sold like hotcakes. Yeah. Mm. Okay. And... And it's just, it's continued, the, the maps that you've done, you've said you've, you've kept on updating them and, and it's continued for a while. Do you see it as a, as a thing that is also going to continue down the line, like that there are, there is a possibility for maps to be a big thing for Amman again, or is it like a dying business? There's always a certain section of society that prefer to have this physical physical map, yeah. yes. And, and I mean, I buy a map, wherever I go, I like to buy a map. Mm -hmm. Um, preferably before I go, because I like to plan what I want to do when I get there. And I like, again, to physically mm -hmm. see Have it, a yeah. country in, on paper, not not be, you know, clicking all over the place on my mobile or yeah. Yeah. computer. How frequently would you go out in order to draw up maps? 
or look for spots? Was it frequent? Oh, I see. Oh, well, I'm, when I'm actually doing a map, yeah. <clears throat> I actually, my, my latest map, it hasn't been published yet, but something I began before COVID, a map of the Sharkia, you see, the Sharkia region. I've done most of the regions in Oman. Yeah. And um, I just go out, dry from early morning. What's your ideal until choice I get of tired. car? Hmm? Car, ideal choice. Which car would you drive? Oh, I have a, a, a Suzuki Vitara. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, it served me well, actually. Yeah. And I just meander here and there and until I get really, really tired. Mm-hmm. And then I'll, I'll stay in the nearest hotel. I just need to hone this point because you didn't do this just as a hobby. I'll read this really quick just to give people an idea of uh, what an important role you played in this industry here. You acted as a consultant creating new maps, uh, mapping publications for many commercial and government organizations, including the Diwan of Royal Court, Ministry of Commerce and Industry, Muscat Municipality, Lofar Municipality, National Bank of Oman, Ministry of Heritage and Culture, Shell Market and British Petroleum, and Oman Oil. This is not a hobby. You, you were, you <laughs> were the expert in this. <laughs> but you didn't start off as an expert. No. You got there. No, it became a passion, you see. And, and I just loved it. I mean, it, I haven't made a fortune doing it. You know, it goes up and down, mm-hmm. the income. But um, it, I, I just love it with a passion. And um, there's nothing like it. I, th- I just think I'm very fortunate and I'm, I meet some wonderful people along the way. Yeah. I mean, I, and this is why I also always love sitting with you and having these conversations because your stories, it spans all over Oman and we were talking about this like within the studio as well that as Omani people, we haven't explored the whole country. Talk about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I did quite a, a quite some exploring. A little, a little, but like to, to the degree where as, as someone who within my own country, I have not explored it as much. I feel like these are the stories that we can kind of give out to. Also, it's mm. not it's not just tourists that can be interested in these kinds of maps. It's also locals, you know, who just want to well, explore absolutely. their country. Yes, explore yeah. their country. Yeah. And I, I think one of the, the, the places I enjoy doing most was Jebel Akhtar. Okay. What oh about my it? Jebel Akhtar. Well, it was, uh, I'm just trying to think when I did it now, uh, the first tourist map of Jebel Akhtar. And it was uh, maybe 2011 or 2012, I'm not sure. Mm. Could have been earlier. And um, to, to, to actually, to, dis- to um, explore every single nook and cranny of Jebel Akhtar was just amazing. It was just marvellous. Uh, I get I get into a tight spot sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. where I'd be on the edge of a ravine and I was terrified to to reverse, you know, I do mm-hmm. a sort of nine or twelve point turn. <laughs> I see. Um, and it, it was just, and you know, there was just um, uh, one hotel at the time. And then Alila opened and they actually invited me to stay in their hotel Ooh. and uh, and do a map for them. So I did a map for them. And I also did trekking maps for them okay. many years later. Yeah. You know, they have uh, treks around mm-hmm. the hotel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was that was great. And um, it was um, it was just marvellous to be up there. 
top of a mountain in the clouds sometimes. Mm. Yeah, but it also sounds like a lot of work. So when you were going about map making, what was your team? Because it was you and your husband sometimes that at least you started. Well, no, it's been me mainly. Um, my husband died Alone? in 98. Oh. Um, but you so, would go out on your own? Yes. Oof, that sounds dangerous. <laughs> always. And, you know, this this is such a thing I always express. I, I go with Sundom, all the way around Sundom, uh, on my own. Uh, though far, everywhere, on my own. Because I, I like the solitude. Yeah. When you said you'd like to sit next to me when I'm mapping, I, I had a friend, mm -hmm. <laughs> Mary, wanting to know if she could possibly come with me sometime. Uh, it would totally put me off <laughs> because I go into a world of my yeah. own and, and, and you soon get tired of it because I'm stopping and starting all the time and I might go back because I couldn't remember something uh, so I, I take my time there's no timeline, mm -hmm. I just do what I want and uh, This just sounds ten times more appealing to me right now <laughs> the fact that you're doing it on your own <clears throat> that, that solitude but a sense of purpose and, and a mission that sounds amazing I feel I feel that some way uh, that sometimes when I travel solo, I give myself a mission. You know, it's like I want to go uh, to this specific spot to get a specific type of picture, mm -hmm. and just having this little mini mission that you give yourself, and then trying to figure out how to make it happen, how to get there. I love that feeling, and mm -hmm. I imagine mm -hmm. that's kind of how it feels as well with you. You're looking for spots, you're taking odd turns that you're not supposed to take. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. But I, I also have. Um, I've had, um, like, a company I've worked with for many years, Khalid Trading in Wadi Al-Kabir. Uh, they allow me to sit with one of their graphic designers. Hmm. And, uh, and we've had, uh, I mean, I've been doing that since the mid-90s. And, and, they, and they've been tremendous support for me. And uh, my graphic designer, too. A wonderful, wonderful guy. And, uh, yes, I, I just received so much help. Um, oh, dear, they've changed their title now. The, the Ministry of... It was Transport and Communications. Is it still Transport and Communications? Just Transport. Or Roads. Right transport yeah. and Roads. Yeah. Um, they're, very, they're very helpful. I just mm -hmm. go into the engineering department, and they know me, so yeah. um, they tell me what roads are. Mm-hmm. But actually being built at the moment yeah. when they'll be finished, etc. That okay. sort of thing. So you have like the updated information for your yes. map yes. then. But I was also wondering when you do this exploring, also when you were saying that you were looking for the grave of King, I forgot his name. Cheramel Paramel. Yeah, Cheramel Paramel. You, um, you said that you spoke to a lot of the locals around to ask, right? Where is this? Or, and was there, what about like the language barrier? Because in the beginning, especially you didn't know Arabic. I, I, yes, I was, I started learning Arabic in the very beginning. I've never been fluent, but mm -hmm. enough to get along. Okay. Yes. All right. And so you, it was, it would be also easy for you, even if you are, as you said, driving around completely alone, if you meet people, like at least you, you're able to have conversations with them and mm -hmm. ask them. With the Bedou in yeah. Dofar. Lady, I had one lady stop me once. Um, she was looking after about a couple of hundred goats, I think. And um, she was very upset because a lot of her goats were dying because they were eating plastic bags. Oh. So she was complaining to me about the litter, you mm -hmm. know, and they didn't really... Then they didn't have many, actually, litter bins around, but uh, it was a serious problem. Mm -hmm. I hope that's improved now. Well, we because, have uh, plans for it, at least. Well, people yeah. are surely being fined now for yeah. dropping litter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, But yes, it was a problem with the camels and, and the goats. But but I love these little conversations. And then then again, uh, in Salala, 
um, one time we came across this um, this road, new road, which was being built um, just outside Murbat, which would stretch to the top of the mountain through more close to the Baobab forest. Mm-hmm. Mm. And there was this, uh, we, we, we spotted uh, like um, about 12 or 15, um, um, what do you call them, diggers. Okay. What's, what's the word? Like um, actual people who dig? No, no, no. That, oh, like uh, the excavators kind yes, of stuff. Yes, yes, yeah. But, yeah, but there's, there's a word. Um, so uh, they were obviously in a hurry to finish this road before the Karif. And, um, and we saw this um, this guy beckon to one of the drivers to get out of his um, um, hut, out of his driving seat. Mm. And he took over and the, the driver, he sat down and rested. He took rest, you mm. see. So then this guy, who was the actual owner of the company, um, carried on with his work because he couldn't afford to stop. And then after a while, he got out and then he relieved another driver. Mm-hmm. And he went on like that for some time, and and I wanted to stop. I wanted to stop and talk to him and find out what he was doing. You mm-hmm. see, I did have uh, an Amani with me at this time, and um, and so when we, he did eventually sit down and talk to us, uh, apparently he was um, a Jabali, came from very a very poor background, but now he's like a multimillionaire, mm-hmm. building roads, and and he but he's remained a very humble man. And he was actually, you know, giving his all his drivers a rest like that. And he said he had to finish this road before the Karif. And he and he did. But the, these interactions mm-hmm. with, with people along the way, you know, I enjoy. Yeah. yeah. yeah and I mean, then you Bulldozers. also... Yeah. Bulldozers. Bulldozers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, at my age, you know, I have to excuse me. Yeah. yeah. Well, what's our, what's our excuse then? <laughs> okay. Um, if you would humor me. Um, map making 101. I would like a course. Okay. <laughs> what are some of the prerequisites that I need? Let's say I'm this crazy person and I'm going to go start making maps. Yeah, are you, are you I, saying I'm, that Anne is a crazy person? No, no. I mean, I mean, in, in, in 2022, I feel like, uh, you, you, you just start your career saying, I want to be a map maker. I feel yeah. like that's like, you know, <laughs> like over everything and just yeah, jump into it. Let's say tomorrow I want to start going out and start making maps. What are the prerequisites? What do I need to know? Well, it would be good to have some professional training, of course. Mm. But, I mean, if you've got the passion and you're intelligent, I think I think you could get away with it by going to the National Survey Authority, mm-hmm. asking them for a map. I usually call it like a skeleton map from which you can, mm-hmm. you can start. I see. You can, as a base, and then you can put your, change your, use your own colour schemes, um... Right. Change the design, etc. You do your own design, but you've got the basic map and the the outline of the country, and also the borders, of course, which are very important yeah. that you get them right, and and then go from there on your computer. You design the kind of map you want. Um, what makes a good map? Well, I think it's got to be. It's got to be fairly accurate. Mm-hmm. Um. But I think it's also got to be pleasing and it's got to be clear. I think that's the most, actually the most important part. Mm-hmm. It must be clear. Yeah. You know, the type must be big enough. And yeah. uh, like easy, legible, you mean. Legible. Yeah. And, uh, and, and pleasant to look at. 
Um, and then, of course, when you finished your map, uh, you then have to submit it to the National Survey Authority for inspection Fair. and stamping. And then they will probably tell you, oh, you know, this name has changed its spelling. Mm. That name's changed its spelling. Yeah. Um, but but when when you're let's say saying that you want to put certain attractions on the map, you said you drive through the area, and I'm just trying to picture you with your car all alone going through these dangerous places. Do you have the skeleton map with you printed out, and you put a little sign? I have on one one or even two maps because mm -hmm. maps have got lots of layers. Yeah. Um, to you know maybe road map, uh, place map. Uh, um, um, and you've got a layer for the text, a layer for the um, layers, layers for the roads. Yeah. Layers for what is. And eleva elevations. And other layers, yes, and and layers for symbols. Yeah. Uh, so you have a lot of layers. In the old days, when we did it by hand, mm. uh, we had like. Um, so like these transparent uh, papers that you. Negatives, yeah. like uh, six, seven, or eight deep, mm -hmm. and they were quite heavy to carry, you know, and to transport. Yeah. Um, right. But. So I think uh, maybe also, Abdullah, the number one thing that you need to know about a map is you need to be able to read one as well if you want to make <laughs> I feel like one. that's a good start. <laughs> it's like, why is the dot not so moving? So you look at the legend, you study the legend. Yeah. And then it will make it far easier for you if you look at the legend in the first place. Well, that's why I'm talking to you. You are the legend. <laughs> <laughs> you know, who yeah. better to ask? You know? It was such a dad joke. But Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> mm, okay, so uh, do you ever create a map without the skeleton? Like from scratch? Straight from... Because I feel like that requires a whole different set of skills. I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't even know how you'd go about measuring distance and then scaling it to a page. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. Well, that's uh, that's something that they did in yeah. Well, it's, the usually, past. it's usually you know a kilometer to an inch, um, and yeah, you can reduce it or uh, enlarge it. Um, I do many different designs, you know, because I, I I've done a lot of maps for different companies. And have you ever designed a skeleton map, like the the just no no touristic information or none of that? You mean from 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 scratch? No. Yeah. We no. We okay. have. I, I use National Survey Authority because it's okay. accurate. Yes. Yeah. And and you mean you can't get something wrong. No. Yeah. I mean, say if you got the border wrong, mm. you could cause a war. Mm -hmm. It's serious business, you know. Uh, so you yes. You, but you, actually, and the spellings must be correct yeah. too, although they don't always match on the roads, but. And did, you, did you ever do maps for any other Middle Eastern country or any country other than Oman? No, but I was invited by the municipality of Dubai mm. when I finished um, my A to Z. I almost brought it to show you. That was a that was another story. It's a book, um, 250 pages. Uh, you know A to Z, yeah? Yeah. 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 Um, that took um, several years to finish and that was... Um, um, tremendous feat, really. I had a lot of problems. I'm, I'm looking at a couple of maps that you brought in today, mm. and they are very visually appealing. If I see this in a store, I want to grab it. Oh, good. 
Yeah, and and um, I've always felt that since I was younger. You know, when you have these uh, like off-road maps, mm. or like I forgot the I forgot the brand. There's always in yellow and like bold colors. And I'd always like, even though I had no car or no way of going out to explore it, but there's something about it, just opening it up and looking at all these spots and beautiful pictures from different parts of the Sultanate. Um, so. A big part of it, I imagine, is it's the it's a branding game. It's it's a visual game. It's you know right, or am I often saying? Oh yes, I, it, as I said, it, it's it's got to be attractive. Mm-hmm. And um, now I'm wondering if you have like your signature, you know, kind of something that is um, it's kind of eligible for everyone to see that. Oh, this is a map. This is an Ann map. You know, <laughs> that stands out that way. Um. Well, uh, they're the only not maps. really, not so. really, no. Yeah. And and I was even thinking of changing the format of the next map I do. Okay, but we'll see. I I cross that bridge when yeah. I get to it. Yeah. We'll go on a we'll go on a quick break. Um, this song came out on in 1983, and uh, you mentioned earlier that you know there weren't many activities, but you have your own fun. You'll find your ways. And I wonder if this triggers any uh, memory at all of that time. Mm-hmm. Lionel Richie. <laughs> ah. All night long. On your nation station, 90.4 FM. And we're back. So we're going to skip a few steps. Your career, I feel like we can't just cover in one episode. This requires several different sessions <laughs> of going through. I have so many questions, but I would like for us to skip the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s and come to your life today mm-hmm. what's your life like currently i mean you said you started the conversation saying you're going to be here for two years yeah it's been a little over that mm-hmm. i would say <laughs> slightly <laughs> <Just a smidge. laughs> well you see i have s- s- several reasons for staying here i have two wonderful omani granddaughters mm. um I have um, a son in the UAE with uh, two more grandchildren there. So I think my nearest and dearest are here. Mm-hmm. And apart from me loving the country, mm. um, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> I feel it's it's been a um, a pleasure living here. It's it's very safe, particularly for a woman. Mm-hmm. And I always say it's, it's very safe for a woman traveling alone because I, I go, I travel alone quite a lot, you know, and I go to places like Singapore, which I know is safe for a woman. And Oman is one of those places. Hmm. Um, so, yes, I, I have actually written my memoir, which I hope will be published this year, as I've been busy doing that during COVID, the COVID break. Hmm. Um, And I would like to start, I have ideas for new projects, thematic maps, which I dearly want to do. Mm. Uh, I can't taste too much about that, but I really want to do them. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to try very hard mm-hmm. to realize my dream. Yeah. I had this, these ideas for many years. Um, yes, I think I'd probably quieten down somewhat. Um, But map making is still going strong into. into uh, well, yes, I don't. I can't visualize myself. I'm way past uh, 
retiring age, but I can't ever visualize myself retiring completely. Okay. And that's wonderful. I mean, that's the passion, right? That you have for it, right? Well, yes. The love you have to for yes. it. Yes. Yeah. And uh, yes, it's good to keep working, yeah. I think. I never, I never, sorry, I never understood the concept of retirement. It's like, well, what are you supposed to do after that? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Enjoy travels, but I guess that's your work anyways. It takes you all, all around. True. I'm, I've always got some interest. I'm never bored. Yeah. Yeah. And that is actually quite wonderful. But now maybe since we're saying like, you know, you have these these future projects coming up, looking back over the last 44 years that you've been in Amman here with your family as well, you've seen the country change. Like you've seen it go from what Drast- you ex- drastically, yeah, explained drastically. before to now. Um, do you do you miss some, like you have this nostalgic feeling for the olden times or do you think that, you know, it's it's good to be, like if you could go back to a specific date in these last 44 years, do you have a specific time where you're like, this was the golden age for me or the perfect time? I think the 80s. All right. Yeah, and the 80s. It was developing like crazy, but it was still small and cute, I'd say, yes. as a country, right? Did Lionel Richie trigger any memory? <laughs> Actually, yes. <laughs> I think I probably danced to that number at South Beach Club on New Year's Eve, oh, many wow. moons ago, before it was closed. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm sure, yeah, out in the open. Oh, it was just so lovely. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. But yeah, but seeing it uh, across this whole time, I just, I, I love the stories that come come out from there. 44 years and all the change. Uh, one thing I don't want us to glance over Um, before we end tonight's session, why did you choose to stay? I mean, it started off as two years, but then you obviously stayed all this time. What was that decision like? Well, I suppose it's um, my daughter marrying an Amani had something to do with it. Okay. And then my grandchildren mm-hmm. appeared. and um, Yeah, and then we, when we started mapping, I mean, that was it. Okay. And your life in I the realized UK? that was my passion. Mm. And your life in the UK? I think if I were to go back and live in the UK, I would have a cultural shock, quite frankly. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, I'm sure I would. Yeah, it's, it would be a completely different place. Mm-hmm. And anyways, in in, uh, in my eyes and all your, your Azomani as it gets for, <laughs> for me sometimes, you, you have <laughs> a lot more experiences that I think base you here or, you know, that kind of validate you completely being here rather than I do. I, every time I talk to Anne, I'm like, I need to go out and explore. I need to have the same experience. You should. Sorry. You should. I'm yeah. always telling my granddaughters. I mean, there's so much, there is so much to mm-hmm. explore and you should be proud of your country. Yeah. It's so beautiful. It, it really is. So, yeah, yeah look at my maps. <laughs> exactly. Get some ideas. <laughs> and do it before July. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. um, and maybe something else I just want to kind of put out there is uh, you currently have an Instagram account, which I love following and whenever I show it to I people do. they're they're very interested your Instagram is great I love it the mapping lady well yeah. it's still quite new it's early days yeah yeah you know? so I can't wait to see more like uh, you have really like it seems like an archive I have some the, old yeah. pictures yes yeah I love it yeah and yeah. and uh, the videos are um, yeah a video sc- screenshot of when you were actually talking on the news mm-hmm. on Oman TV is in the Instagram profile and just pictures like seeing souks like from way back when and now knowing that like I've gone to these looks they look totally different I'm just seeing a completely different vibe so yeah it's at the mapping lady on Instagram I think it's the underscore mapping underscore lady 
um, you should check it out. Chile following an abortive <laughs> attempt to kill President Pinochet. That's that was you. <laughs> that was you. That's one of my very early ones. Yeah, what, you, what year was this? It in? might have been my first one, um, 1982. My voice was too high. I, I don't understand why you're cringing. You sound great. You sound amazing. Yeah. <laughs> this is gold. Even the logo and everything. It's fantastic. Yeah. What was this, the back screen they used? To the oh, yes. Well, to begin with, you see, yeah. we had this tiny cubicle uh, with just... Um, with just a row of curtains behind. Oh, okay. So they would pull out a curtain which would match whatever you were wearing, mm -hmm. you know, or complement whatever oh, yes. you were wearing. And there would be just one newsreader. <laughs> and actually it was very cosy. Okay, it was just yeah. such a small cubbyhole, you know. Mm -hmm. It was nice. And then, of course, we moved into the new studios with a huge right. desk and so two readers or three readers sometimes. So you yeah. would decide what colour you'd wear in the day and then the yes. director would decide what the background would be? Oh, well, I, I would choose the background, actually. <laughs> nice choice here. The green and the yellow. They go well. <laughs> they go well. Oh, well, Anne, thank you so much for joining me today it's and joining us. It's been a pleasure. Actually. It was so nice to meet you. And nice to see you, Amal, again. Yeah, I can't wait to <laughs> catch up again. Yeah. Just remember, I actually mean it. Like, if you want sound treatment for your place, I'm happy to help. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, I might take you up on that. Absolutely. Yes, well, thank you both very much for inviting me here tonight. Thank you. Uh, it's, yeah, it's great to be back here <laughs> after all those years. Please come back again. We, we didn't even cover, like, half of it. Yeah, we, know, we, missed, there, we missed the 90s. We, we, we missed the late 80s, the 90s, and the early 2000s. Oh there is a lot more to go. Go. So if yes. if you would accept my invitation, maybe sometime from now, <laughs> just give we'll you how give you a chance. About it. <laughs> Fair enough. Thank you very much. Thank you. Ain't nobody listening. Ain't nobody listening. Ain't nobody listening. Ain't nobody listening. Ain't nobody listening.